This is episode 735 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's episode, Suburban Survival, the only guide you will need. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. I don't have a lot to share here at the very beginning of this episode, other than to say if you'd like to support Prepper Website, there's a lot of ways that you can do that in the show notes. And also, I love it when you provide those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or really anywhere that you can find the podcast. So let's go ahead and jump into our article this week. It's from modernsurvivalonline.com. The article is entitled, Suburban Survival, The Only Guide You Will Need. Now, this isn't, I mean, it has some really great preparedness information here. It's not just for those that live out in the suburbs. It's going to apply to a lot of people, but it's specifically to those, uh, you know, it, 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 there is a focus for those that live in the suburbs. With all that said, I'm only going to read half of this article. So when I when I pop this one into my pocket app, it took over an hour to to just listen to it. So there's a lot of information here, but the last part of it, or I guess the second half of this, is more like a list of different things that you should do for preparedness. So if you are new to preparedness, I'm going to highly encourage you to come check out the rest of this article because it just has some really good things like the, you know food and water and all those different kinds of things. Uh, I want to focus on the top half of this. And of course, like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can get there really, really quickly. But I'm just going to focus on the top half. And even at that, that's probably going to take us a, g- a good 30 minutes. So let's go ahead and jump in. Again, Suburb- Suburban Survival, I can talk, right? Suburban Survival, the only guide you will need. Let's go ahead and start reading. When it comes to discussions of survival, particularly long-term survival, the topic centers around two environments, urban environments because they are viewed as particularly difficult and rural environments because this is the ideal environment to survive in. At least according to some, there is quite literally an in-between environment that gets very little in the way of discussion, and that is the suburbs. Though the majority of the world's population lives crammed into massive metropolitan areas, and the rest of us seems to filter throughout the less populated rural communities, there is a large swath that lives in the stereotypical suburbs outside larger cities. If this is you, you should know that the suburbs present their own unique survival challenges, but also some unique advantages compared to rural and city life. Today we are bringing you an especially tailored suburban survival guide that will help you make the most of your unique environment while avoiding the most serious obstacles. Some people who live in built-up areas believe that bugging out is the best, perhaps only, response to certain calamitous events, be they natural disasters or man-made catastrophes of any kind. Bugging out is definitely an option, but not the only option, and indeed is usually far riskier than staying put and hunkering down, especially if you are lucky enough to live in the suburbs and have not been directly affected, that is, your house has been destroyed. Think about it. Why risk a hazardous journey on foot or by vehicle through a ravaged landscape to an area that may not be any safer or better than the one that you're leaving? 
You can instead hunker down with a home field advantage, literally, in the form of known terrain, known people, and ideally a storeroom or basement full of gear and supplies that can help you survive and sustain in place. I see entirely too much talk going around that speaks of urban or suburban environments in absolutes, meaning if you don't leave when the poop hits the fan, you're going to die. This is just not true. In fact, as we will learn in this guide, your suburban home could be a welcomed readout in times of trouble. Set the bug out bag down for just a minute and keep reading. You'll be making a big mistake if you classify your survival environment with too broad of a brush. Safe or unsafe, good or bad, viable or non-viable. All over the globe, creatures living in various environments can obtain what they need to survive if they adapt accordingly and if they live in harmony with the environment. The same goes for us, even in the middle of something harrowing like a survival scenario. Urban area presents some pretty extreme challenges for survival, especially when it comes to long-term survival, but they nonetheless have some advantages. Rural areas, long thought to be the easy mode of long-term survivorship, have their fair share of obstacles and pitfalls to, to be avoided. The same thing can be said of suburbia. What matters is that you know what you have going for you and what you have against you. Generally, because of the environment you're in and then adapting your plan, preparations and efforts accordingly. If you can do that, you can survive no matter what you're facing. Before we go any further, we must identify these advantages and disadvantages endemic to suburban areas so that we may contextualize the result of our efforts. So here are some advantages of suburban environments. Number one, the house of your own equals more space. For most folks, whether you rent or buy, the biggest advantage of living in the suburbs is generally that you have your own home that is separate from the homes around it, even if they aren't that far apart. Compared to a townhouse or apartment living, you're provided better privacy, better control over access to your immediate surroundings and perimeter, and generally more storage space. All of these things are advantages for a savvy prepper particularly when preparing for long-term shelter-in-place survival, the demand for storage is extremely high. Ask anyone you know who has been at the prepping game for a while, and they'll be happy to tell you all about a total loss of closet space, converted basements, and even entire rooms turned into storage. There is only so much you can acquire and still keep a space livable if you live in a small space. More than this, your home generally affords you better control over maintaining your perimeter and controlling access. Another advantage is generally better networking with neighbors. Although the popular conception of prepping is that it is entirely solo or a family-only affair with one skilled and motivated person taking on long odds and all comers in order to survive, the reality of survival is often far different. Individuals are vulnerable Groups are much less so. This is because humans are inherently social and we get more work done more efficiently when working as a team. Think about it under the circumstances. Will you be able to perform a necessary task and chores like cooking, scouting, repairing, searching, guard duty, and more all by yourself? How effectively do you think you'll be able to do all of those? Are you ever going to sleep? When you go to sleep, who is going to watch your back? What about if you get sick or injured? Who will take care of you and who will take over your responsibilities while you're out of action? The answer is, of course, the other members of your family or survival group, your posse, team, gang, or whatever you want to call them. 
Now, it is possible to grow so big as a group that it is unwidely and has intensive resource requirements, but generally speaking, a small group consisting of a few families is easily achievable and ideal under the circumstances. Suburbia is generally a high-trust environment and ideal for cultivating these relationships among like-minded people. Another advantage is there's usually some land to utilize. If there's one thing you typically don't have reliable access to when living in the city, it is land of any quantity for any purpose. If you're lucky, you'll have a few planters outside your apartment stack so your dog can relieve himself. Rural areas obviously have access to plenty of land that can be used for all kinds of things, but in the middle, once again, we have suburbia, with most homes in most mature neighborhoods having at least some room in the backyard that can be put to use for a variety of purposes. The highest and best purpose under the circumstances is growing food or simple waste disposal. Gardens and latrines require significantly less room than you might be thinking in order to be effective and well worth your time to install and maintain. This does wonders for long-term sustainment and is one of the chief vulnerabilities of urban living in comparison. Even if either of the above resources are out of the question or unsuitable in your yard for any number of reasons, your outdoor space is still perfect for cooking, using any number of improvised means and other things. Be glad you got it, even if you don't like taking care of your yard. Another advantage is a lighter population. One of the single biggest advantages of suburban living is it, you just don't have as many people to deal with. Cities are cities because they are so densely packed with people. Quite literally, they are giant concrete termite mounds intricately crisscrossed by innumerable above and below ground chambers and passageways. While having a few good, trusty people at your side during a survival situation is always a benefit, unknowns are just the opposite. Unknown contacts represent the risk of loss, potential danger, and innumerable other second and third order effects. Desperate people do desperate things, like steal to survive, and mixed in among this mass of humanity will be some genuine predators eager to take advantage of the chaos and the attendant collapse of the rule of law to do what it is they do best. You'll still have plenty of unknown contacts around you if you live in the suburbs, but you won't be facing a sea of unknown and scared faces on all sides of you right at the beginning. Another advantage is likely to be further from the epicenter of urban crisis. There are no two ways about it. Urban areas are disproportionately likely to be targeted by terrorist attacks, military action, and all sorts of other unfortunate occurrences. Natural disasters can have major consequences for urban areas, even if they do not strike them directly, and the loss of power or other utilities can quickly result in a cascade of occurrences that lead to full-blown civil pandemonium. You definitely don't want to live through that if you have any other choice, but happily, such things rarely affect suburban areas as badly as they do urban ones. This is not to say that bad things don't happen to suburbia, as they absolutely do, but the typical chaos and second-order effects that occur in the immediate aftermath of such happenings are usually far less severe and far easier to ameliorate if you are prepared. All things being equal, you will rarely be better off in the city than out of the city proper when trouble starts brewing. Okay, so we handled some advantages of suburban survival. Here are some disadvantages of being out in the suburbs. Number one is the high traffic or high traffic when cities empty out. Unfortunately, living in suburbia is not an island and it sure as heck isn't a secured and fortified enclave. 
Suburbs by nature sprout up outside of cities and generally serve as serviceable communities for people who work inside cities but don't want to live there. As a direct consequence of this, suburbs are within easy reach of cities, whether one is driving or walking. Compared to an out-of-the-way, sleepy, rural hamlet, suburbs might as well be a pit stop for those on the way out of a city. When the masses of humanity start to flee cities, either to get relief from whatever is happening in the city or to try their luck elsewhere, you'll have a veritable tidal wave of unknowns coming through your neck of the woods and quite possibly through your neighborhood. Maybe they're just passing through. Maybe they're looking for handouts. Maybe they are done asking for handouts if you take my drift. You'll have to be ready to deal with this when the time comes, if you're going to make a go of it in the suburbs. Right, next up or the next disadvantage is high yield target for thieves and looters. As alluded to above, you won't just have the desperate and dispossessed to deal with in the aftermath of a major disaster or some other catastrophe. The criminal element, including the organized criminal underworld, will likely have a field day during the chaos, and the longer that the rule of law is degraded or occupied elsewhere, the more and more likely it will be, but they will step in to take advantage of the lapse. Most criminal scumbags know what kind of people live in the suburbs, and they know what can be found there. Whether they are looking for valuable or desirable loot, or just looking for even more supplies that they can plunder and take back to their people or resell for a tremendous profit, you'll need to be prepared for wolves at the border. Don't worry, suburbs can still afford you a substantial defense against just the occurrence if you take advantage of it early enough. We will talk more about that later in the article and in detail. Another disadvantage is a lower priority for authorities. Counting on rescue or resupply from state and government agencies is never a strategy for success. But nonetheless, during crises which affect a relatively limited area, they are generally dependable after a time. However, when things start going bad far and wide, government agencies at all levels will have to triage their manpower, resources, and efforts. This means that areas with a less dense population or of less commercial, industrial, or strategic importance will rank lower on the totem pole when it comes to need. Generally, if you live in the suburbs, this will include you. Sure, you had better believe that state agencies of all kinds and FEMA at the federal level will come streaming into a suburban area that is hit by a natural disaster in a relatively timely fashion. But you won't be able to say the same thing if half the country or even the entire nation seems to be falling apart. Another disadvantage is a porous geography. Compared to the strict delineation of transit lanes in most urban areas and the relatively few marked major pathways in rural zones, suburbs tend to be quite porous when it comes to movement. They are usually centrally located along major travel routes, going to and from major cities, and are often laid out in an efficient, economic way to provide easy ingress and egress for re residents. Much of the time, greater geographic features in the area, such as hills, trees, and so forth, are removed or altered to provide more space for buildings or better views. All of these factors work against you when it comes to securing the perimeter of where you live. Whether it is at the neighborhood or the community level, it is extremely difficult to meaningfully lock down suburban areas against unauthorized ingress and egress. This might sound like the last thing you are worried about doing, but after we have all seen what can happen to major metropolitan areas when law enforcement is told to take a hike for political expediency, you might be entirely responsible for your own security one day in the near future. 
This means it will be very difficult to cordon off where you actually live without letting people get too close for comfort. It isn't a matter of dropping a couple of trees or parking heavy equipment across one or two ways into town and stationing lookouts sporadically in the field and trees with radios. You'll need a large, fine net to do that, and chances are you just won't have the manpower if you live in suburbia. Now, I just want to comment on that very quickly. Depending on your suburban area, I know that there are some neighborhoods out where I live that there is like one or two ways in and, and that's it, and you know, one or two ways out. And so if you're talking about trying to uh, lock, lock down an area or at least, I mean, people can walk in and, and, and jump over fences and all the, the different kind of stuff. But if we're talking about stopping large uh, number of vehicles coming in, that would be a little bit more doable in a situation like that. Of course, if you have many different ways in and out, of course, that becomes a lot more difficult. But I just wanted to, to state that I know some neighborhoods that, I mean, it sucks when you're trying to get in there, right? Because you, you're, you're maybe you might be in the middle of, uh, you, you might want to be going to the middle of the neighborhood and you're, you, know, you go in one area and it just takes you forever to get there. But in a situation like this, that would be helpful, right? All right, so moving on to the next disadvantage. Next up is generally just as dependent on utilities. Now, compared to rural properties, suburban areas tend or trend towards being just as dependent upon utilities as urban zones. Much of the time, your water will be public and your waste disposal will be done via sewer instead of septic tank. Electricity is, as always, the one major utility that pretty much everyone is dependent on, but compared to rural living, setting up a suburban home for true off-grid self-sufficiency has many more challenges. It's not impossible, though. We will talk about that particular element in depth later on in this guide. Next up is a sprawling neighborhoods difficult to secure. Lastly, when push comes to shove, you might find responding to intrusions in the neighborhood challenging without the benefit of excellent coordination. Let's face it, even among tight-knit neighbors or survival groups, most folks are going to want to stay in their own homes. If someone intrudes in any given home, how will the alarm go out and how will people respond without making a bad situation worse? Yes, posting a guard or patrol is definitely an option, but when it comes to securing a block of habitation, it is far easier to lock down elevators and stairs in a high-rise apartment or condo or do the same with a small, dense row of homes in a city. Rural areas, as mentioned previously, might seem like they provide many ways to get to people, but terrain restrictions along with a few choice placements of guards and sentries will go a long way towards ameliorating that threat. Doing the same thing in a suburban area is decidedly more difficult, though not impossible. All right, so dealing with disasters in suburbia. As I have already mentioned previously, contact is everything when it comes to the business of survival and general disaster preparedness. The terrain where you are surviving counts for a lot, and suburban areas are just a different type of built-up terrain. Understanding how various common disasters will impact suburban areas and how the occupants of those areas will react in the aftermath is essential for grounding your own plans in reality. Consider the breakdown on the following common disasters and how they will affect your survival plans, if at all, because you live in the suburbs. So first up is hurricane. So hurricanes are one of those disasters that are so massive, so total, that it really doesn't matter where you are. Every place from rural communities to the largest cities gets treated more or less equally by a hurricane, and that is to say anywhere from inundated to devastated, depending upon its strength. 
If the hurricane is particularly powerful, evacuation is your only hope, but a weaker hurricane or glancing hit can be prepared for and rode out in the suburbs the same as any place else. All right, so I'm going to say yeah, sometimes when we're talking, you know, we've we've been in situations where we've had really bad hurricanes where the wind was really bad. But I know that he's talking about terrain and different things like that. Where we were, you know, we have a couple of big second-story houses. So the wind wasn't as bad. I mean, I mean, it was bad, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't as bad as some other places. Um, for instance, the guy that is kind of catty-cornered to me, he is... I mean, he is on one of the major kind of inlets into the into the the community or to the neighborhood, and so there was a long corridor where wind could really blow strong. There was nothing blocking it. So when we had big hurricanes, he was boarding up his windows. I mean, he felt like he needed to do that just to make sure that anything that was flying wouldn't wouldn't be caught in the wind and come through his window. I'd never felt like I had to do that because I just, I was surrounded by homes and, you know, we have a fence and all that different kind of stuff. But again, we have a couple of big two story homes around us and the wind just wasn't as bad. Even when it was blowing, I mean, the, you know, trees were blowing and all that kind of stuff. I just never felt like I needed to board up my home. So, you know, there are different levels depending on where you are there. There are some homes. I know my sister in law, when they first moved into their neighborhood, and this is probably about, uh, gosh, going on maybe like 15 years ago, um, it was a very brand new neighborhood and they didn't have any trees. I mean, you know, they would plant those um, little pine trees, right? I mean, that's, you know, th- that was like the thing that they would do, but nothing was up and nothing was 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 grown. Nothing could basically take a hit of the wind. The wind would have free rain. And so when the hurricane was coming, I can't remember which one it was. I guess it was Ike. They did come over to our house because we were a little bit better insulated from the wind. And so that was, you know, that's that's something to consider there when it comes to hurricanes. Um, you know, even with the, the, the most massive hurricanes, we never evacuated at all. I always, I always thought it would be better just to stay here. Now, if I was on the coast, it'd be a completely different story. You know, if I was in Galveston or whatever. But anyway, all right, so uh, let's go ahead and move on. The next one is tornadoes. Tornadoes are another ferociously powerful type of storm and are capable of generating the fastest sustained winds of any weather event on earth. Suburbs probably fare worse than cities in a way, but better than the most rural communities for a direct hit or near strike of a tornado. Most urban areas have at least some heavy, hardened buildings that can withstand typical tornadoes and several designated tornado shelters that you might be able to make use of if you're nearby. The average residential home in a suburb will be severely damaged or destroyed outright by a tornado necessitating the installation of a tornado shelter on the property. So I don't know. I think um, I would say that rural areas would fare better than suburban areas because they're just wider apart. You know, homes are wider apart. Uh, We've seen the pictures where... Uh, where a tornado goes through a neighborhood and just completely devastates, you know, uh, homes there. So that's that's one that you don't want to play around with, definitely. Next up are earthquakes. So compared to anywhere else, you might be better off in the suburbs should a powerful earthquake occur. You are unlikely to be in a building so tall that collapse is a genuine possibility and will have at least some people around that can provide assistance if you become trapped in your home or get injured. On the other hand, you won't be caught up in the mass of screaming humanity that is 
a proper city in the aftermath of a powerful earthquake. You still need to act quickly to protect yourself from an earthquake by getting undercover and then getting out as soon as the shaking stops, but your chances are good in the suburbs. A flood. The flooding is another universal disaster that can occur pretty much anywhere it can rain. If your neighborhood in the suburbs is prone to flooding, you must be prepared to evacuate or to enact a foolproof flood defense plan with sandbags or aqua dams. Easier said than done. Suburban areas are high priority targets for rescue and relief efforts in the aftermath of flooding. So you have that going for you. You can also take heart from the fact that the swirling brown flood water surrounding you will be somewhat less contaminated with sewage, chemicals, and corpses than they would be if you were in the city proper. You know, one of the things just going off of this flood and, and flooding section here and then thinking back to Hurricane Harvey, one of the reasons why my house did not flood flood out was because people in the neighborhood were very proactive. So the sewer system or the bio system that is in the back of the neighborhood, uh, there was community members that started looking at that and realizing it had not been taken care of. And people were throwing trash, like people would find a way to get back there and somehow throw mattresses and tires and all different kinds of things. And then where it came to the place where it would start to go out into the other major uh, bayous and the system that gets it out to the Gulf, it would just kind of be stopped up because of all the trash that was there. So people worked, we had two big floods, the tax day flood, um, which um, they started working with the county to drudge all that out, clean all that up, and then uh, drudge it all out so that um, it would flow a lot better. And that is one of the only reasons why my home did not flood during Harvey. Now, the rest of the neighborhood did. The, the neighborhood that was in the back closest to the bayou did flood. Um, they, got, they got a lot of water, but it just so happened that that work um, that was done by those neighbors who were like on top of it uh, helped to get um, a lot of the, the front part of the neighborhood was, was safe from flooding. And so really appreciative of all that work that, uh, you know, sometimes we don't like the, the, the neighbors that are involved in everything, but sometimes those neighbors do help, you know, in, in situations like this where they're going after the, the, the county and they're making them, hey, come out and take care of this. This is your responsibility. You need to clean this up and make sure that the water is flowing correctly. So that really helped to, uh, to make sure that we didn't flood. So I just kind of wanted to say that there. All right, next up is heat waves. So heat waves are always problematic and can be particularly problematic in the suburbs. Only slightly less likely to experience a brownout or blackout than a city, most residential homes in the suburbs are not equipped with backup power systems or other climate-controlled measures in case of emergency. This means you'll need to be doubly prepared for dealing with the consequences of a heat wave should one occur and redouble your efforts yet again if you have anyone in your family who is particularly vulnerable to heat exhaustion or heat stroke. Guys, we've talked about that very often in ways that you can help out if you're in that situation. Next up are blizzards. So compared to urban dwellers, if you take the time to prepare, you can have an advantage during a blizzard if you live in the suburbs. Most city folks are completely dependent upon the infrastructure of society in their day-to-day -day life, whereas you likely have more room to prepare and fortify against the destructive effects of a blizzard. A backup whole house heating system, plenty of food, and no travel plans is the prescription here. As long as you can wait it out, you can generally be assured that the snow and ice will stop and the roads will be clear before long. 
So one of the most topical and certainly one of the scariest disasters that can befall any of us is the threat posed by societal unrest or outright societal collapse. Inflicted by cultural or political issues or a completely collapsed economy, this is a man-made instigated disaster that can set neighbor against neighbor. Generally speaking, you are far better off in the suburbs than you would be in the city, but not as good as you'd be if you were out in a rural community of tight-knit folk. Protecting a neighborhood against intrusion from outsiders is extremely difficult or impossible without a coordinated, unified, and like-minded group of people. If you don't have a neighborhood watch or prepper group in your neighborhood put together by this time, an event likely like like this to occur, there could be trouble. Guys, that that is the basis of my uh, building your own prepper group challenge that I have in my email in in my email list that you can you can join. Um, there is a link in the show notes that you can go and and take advantage of that. All right, next up, martial law. So living in the suburbs is a double-edged sword during martial law. On one hand, chances are government forces will be more interested in securing high-value industrial, commercial, transit, and government hubs or installations rather than massive farms of residential homes. However, they may well become interested in those homes for any number of reasons, including seizure of supplies or property. Guys, I think that is so highly unlikely. All right. I just, I know that's something that always comes up, but I think that is like, you have to be like really far down the road bad, right? Uh, Walking dead bad for that kind of stuff to happen. So it is highly likely that your main thoroughfares leading to and away from cities that connect to your suburban area will be checkpointed. So contrary to the assertions of some, there is no special suburban survival method. In fact, everything you need to survive in a suburban area is identical to the things you need to survive anywhere else, including rural and urban environments. Your body has all of the exact same requirements and survival is only a matter of attaining them. It is only the challenges in obtaining a given survival necessity in an environment that must be adapted to. And in that regard, it is useful to review the fundamentals of survival, both what you will require in terms of provisions and supplies, as well as gear and other most more esoteric things like communication and self-defense. Below is a checklist of sorts that you can use to compare against your own survival stash or take to begin building your stash if you don't have one. We will be talking about all of those challenges and obstacles that you'll need to overcome in a suburban environment in the following sections for each one of the list. All right, guys, that's where I'm going to stop. But I wanted to go through and just kind of give you an idea of what is talked about at the rest of this article so you can go and read it. Um, Food, water, lighting, medical supplies, shelter gear is part of it, hygiene items, sanitation kit, communication, weapons, Um, talks about a suburban food supply that you can look at, uh, your water supply. Um, There are videos, lighting solutions in the burbs, all that good stuff. Medical supplies are mandatory. Um, Let's see, even in a home, you'll still need shelter gear. Uh, again, hygiene. So I, I guess he, this author briefly touched on those topics and then he goes into an expanded uh, expanded list there. Um, here we have efficient elimination of waste, um, communications again, defending what is yours, notes on weapon selections, clever places to stash your survival stockpile. And then he talks about basement, garage, shed, survival at the neighborhood level. Uh, should you make your suburban home off-grid capable? 
and then you can survive in the suburbs. Let me read this last paragraph here. Much of survival lore is focused on urban, rural, and wilderness endeavors with precious little attention paid to those living in the suburbs. With tens of millions of Americans occupying suburban habitation, the topic deserves special consideration when it comes to prepping. It is entirely possible to survive and thrive in the suburbs when disaster strikes if you know how to take advantage of the inerrant perks such places afford preppers while minimizing the drawbacks. All right, guys, so I really like this article because it touches on a bunch of different things. And it really, I think the, the most important thing is it gets you to start thinking about where you are, where you live, right? Whether it's, it is urban, suburban, or in the rural situations and applying these different things to it. So a lot of the times in, in prepper world, right? In the prepper nation, prepper community, we're always talking about those big poop hit the fan situations where, you know, uh, there's a complete total collapse. You know, all the stuff that's in the fiction books, right? The prepper fiction stuff. But a lot, most of the time, and I'm not going to say most of the time, I'm like, that's never happened <laughs> because if, if it happened, then we would probably wouldn't be talking right now. Um, most of the time you're dealing with these other things like hurricanes and tornadoes. You're, 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 you're dealing with like blackouts and the power going out. And what kinds of things do you need to do to, um, you know, to keep people that are in your home who are susceptible to heat stroke and all that kind of stuff, how are you going to keep them cool? And then Another thing is, how are you going to keep your refrigerator and freezer cold so that you don't lose that you know the, the food that's in there? For some of us, I mean, we we could be talking about thousands of dollars worth of meat in our freezers. If you're a hunter and you've gone and you stocked up your you know, you've stocked up your freezer, you don't want to lose that deer meat or whatever meat you have stored in there. So having an idea of how you would save that if you were you know in a I don't know, in a blackout that was a day long or maybe one that went a little bit longer for whatever reason. One of the things that happened to us recently, I don't know if I talked about it. I might have talked about it in one of the prep devotionals is we woke up. I woke up in the morning. I went to go do my devotionals. I'm getting ready to get up and to start making coffee and the lights went out and it wasn't storming very, very badly outside. So I don't know what the deal was. But for whatever, at least it didn't feel like it was storming very badly. I mean, it could have been. But, you know, we sat there for a while for the lights to come on. And, you know, it was like, uh, I think it was about an hour and a half. And everybody is up because they know, they hear me getting my flashlight and getting my lanterns and doing the different stuff that I'm doing, ready, you know, getting ready for this blackout. And then, you know, we're on, I'm I'm on Facebook and looking at the neighborhood, uh, the neighborhood group. And someone says, Hey, you know, it's like, um, the center point energy said it's, it's going to be till nine 30 till the lights come on. So I'm like, okay, I can deal with nine 30. Uh, but I'm not going to wait for nine 30 to start getting ready. So, I mean, I've got enough lights and stuff like that. I go and take a shower. I'm getting ready and I, I get ready in the dark and I'm doing all that kind of stuff and headed out to work. So, you know, my thing would have been to tell my son, hey, at 930, let me know if the lights don't come on because I'm going to come back and, you know, we'll have to go ahead and start the freezer and the refrigerator on an inverter or, you know, on on uh, a generator or whatever, because I don't want to lose uh, the stuff that's in the freezer. And so that's that would have been my the way forward for me there just so happened that I get ready in the dark. 
and I'm, I open up my front door to leave and the lights come on. So it was kind of funny. Um, there I am, but made it to work on time. No big issues like that, but able to navigate and had a plan going if, you know, this blackout was going to take a little bit longer. We have been in blackouts where it took, it was like overnight and we, you know, we wound up, you know, planning for that and, and having that. And for that, there was no reason. There was no storm. There was no nothing. Something like in the, one of the, the, uh, the substations went bad. I don't know what, I can't remember what happened, but you know, all this whole area was was dark. I remember writing an article on that because even the 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 lights out on the street. I mean, it was very very dark. And then when you saw a light, you could identify that you know that was a light. You even if it was really really far away because everything was so dark. So having those kinds of plans in place are going to be much more important then preparing for the zombie apocalypse and the golden horde leaving the cities, getting to the suburbs. But either way, a really great article, um, a lot of information there and things to think about. I mean, that's what this is about. That's what you know. the Prepper Website podcast is about, is giving you information to think about so that you can be better prepared. So if you're living in the suburbs where a lot of people live in the suburbs, I know, you know, I live in the suburbs, you know, everybody that I know lives out in the suburbs. And so making sure that, um, you know, there are plans in place. And so I, I think this is a great article and there's a lot more here that you might be interested in. You want to go check out. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 735. Don't forget, like always, I am going to link to the article in the show notes so you can go check it out. Again, I only read half of it. You can check out the other half there. Also, if you are not subscribed to the show, if this is your very first time listening, make sure you th- that you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best preparedness articles out there. Lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.